Welcome to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit us at compasslu.org. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue in the book of Ephesians. This is our second sermon in the series, and last week, we uh, just sort of did an overview of the book of Ephesians and talked about um, some, some of the big themes, some of the big ideas. And so I've t- titled this sermon, we're, we're going to be looking at the first six verses of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 1 through 6, and I've titled the sermon, Chosen. No, I don't think so. It says, Chosen in Him. Okay. Chosen in Him. It's not just chosen, it's chosen in Him. And uh, like I mentioned last week, as we move through Ephesians, there are many things that I have uh, been taught before about Ephesians, I've found great value in. Uh, and I may not mention many of those things because... Like we talked about last week, uh, receiving someone else's mail, especially from 2,000 years ago, that's a strange thing to do, and that's what we're doing by reading Ephesians. And so I want to make it feel strange, not just for the sake of it being strange, but for us to put ourselves into the mindsets of those original hearers and listeners in the time that Paul was writing to them, so we can understand how they would have heard it and how they would have applied it, and then we can think about how it applies to our lives today. Um, we talked about four themes uh, last week. The first one we're going to be really highlighting today, this morning, it's the idea that Ephesians is meant to be read in a community-oriented way and not an individualistic way. Uh, we talked about last week, last week how every you in the letter should be y'all. It's a, plural, it's a plural pronoun. And so we'll be reading it that way throughout the whole series. And today we're going to especially notice also the we versus you or y'all language throughout the letter. The second theme is new creation, the new orders of of things in Jesus. Uh, Ephesians is uh, a gospel presentation. It is a presentation of the good news of Jesus and how that has revolutionized and changed the world. And so we're going to see that today as well. The third thing is unity in Christ. And primarily in Paul's mind, it's Jew and Gentile at the beginning of the letter. And then we'll see other ways that he brings in unity and also unity between heaven and earth. And then the last thing is division. When we, when we don't see that unity, which is God's design, then we understand that the powers are at play, what Paul calls the powers. And we talked last week about how it's, it is the demonic, but that's not the only thing. There are other things that we can understand uh, being rolled into the powers of the world. So if you want to, you can open. If you have a Bible, you can open with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Our question today uh, is twofold. It's how were we chosen? And I've already sort of given you the answer to that. We were chosen in him. And what does that mean for our lives? So um, I think I mentioned it last week, but I'll mention it this week just in case. Verse, uh, verses 3 through 14 is just one sentence in Greek. It's one long run-on sentence in Greek. And so we're actually going to read the whole uh, section, this 1 through 14, and then we're just going to talk about 1 through 6. But there's a really important thing about uh, reading through 1 through 14, which we'll see here in a second. So let's start reading here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Let's count this in Christ Jesus thing. It's pretty crazy how many times he talks about it this way. Grace to y'all and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. We who were the first. Next verse. In him y'all also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who, who or which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. When, we, when I know when I've read Ephesians, when I've taught the section before, I've taught it from a very modern uh, Western American perspective. I read myself into all of this. I read myself into the we's here. And I'm not saying we can't, but there's a, a move we have to make to read ourselves into the we's. Who are the we's here in this first 14 verses? Verse... Uh, Let's see, it's verse um, 12. So that we who were the first hope in Christ, who were the first hope in Christ? The Jewish Christians, the Jewish followers of Jesus. The we throughout this whole book is Jewish Christians, in whom y'all also, verse 13, y'all also. We are the ones, and really, it isn't us. We have to make a separate move because this is talking about the Ephesian Gentiles from 2,000 years ago, y'all also. And then we have to make the move that, yes, we're Gentiles too. We're still under the same new covenant that the people in Ephesus were under. So we have to make a little move there. But we can now go back to Ephesians 1.3 and read ourselves into the we. But the way we do that is by acknowledging that there was a plan that God had first. And there was a way that he enacted it first. And that was through the nation of Israel. And that's really the story that Paul has in mind here through this whole passage. And that will help us understand how we, can, how we think about being chosen, how we think about being predestined, how we think about uh, his, God's foreknowledge and all those things. So going back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And like I said, I'm going to now draw us into that. We can now say that we are part of this. We had to make a couple moves to get there. But this whole passage begins with a blessing, an exclamation of praise to God. And he defines God here to be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our God has blessed us in Christ, and it says here, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, you might be saying, but I don't feel like I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Uh, and I totally get that. I totally get that. There's a couple ways that we can think about this, though, that I think is helpful. Because uh, I do think that what Paul is saying here, it's not conditional upon our feelings. It's not conditional about you know, what side of the bed we got off this morning or how we feel about things. It's not conditional upon our circumstances in this life. What Paul is saying here is only conditional on one thing. Are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? Because if you're in Christ, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And we can understand those things as the things that Ephesians talks about, the things we see elsewhere in the Bible. Uh, another way to think about this is, where are these blessings located? These blessings are located in the heavenly realm. They're located in the heavenly places. 
And um, one commentary I looked at noted Matthew 6, where it talks about where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if your treasure is in heaven, if it's in the heavenly places, then can thieves get in there and steal these blessings? Can they take away this identity that we have? No, they can't do that. Another commentary pointed out that Jesus, as we're going to find out in Ephesians chapter, the rest of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, Jesus has already received a number of blessings from God. And that's how we get folded into that. We've been seated with him, as it says, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, in the immediate context, uh, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project lists out these uh, blessings that we can find just immediately in this passage. Election, adoption, grace, redemption, forgiveness of sins, knowledge of God's secret purpose, hope of a future inheritance, and the Spirit. It's a pretty good list of blessings, isn't it? It's pretty good. Another aspect of this, though, is, is really fascinating because, um, you know, we think about the spiritual world and we think about, uh, you know, it's, elder, it's elsewhere. It's not, it's not something that we see. It's not something that we swim in. We're around a lot. But the ancient world was full of spiritualism. It was full of other gods. It was full of other uh, things going on. And so if we remember the historical context of the book of Ephesians, one of the seven great uh, ancient wonders of the world was in Ephesus, and it was a pagan temple, the temple to Artemis or Diana. And it turns out that worship of Artemis would have included worship of the sun, the moon, the stars, and these weird occult views of horoscopes. Now, you know, we do come across horoscopes in our day and time, but they're not as, um, as uh, powerful as they were back in the ancient pagan world. I have this quote from the ZIBBC from Clinton Arnold on the book of Ephesians. Uh, he wrote, uh, the beautiful cult statue of the Ephesian Artemis depicts the goddess as wearing the signs of the zodiac as a necklace. And actually, I don't know if you can see it, but you can see sort of around the, uh, the outside there, there, there are the signs of the zodiac there. Expressing that, and this is what they thought of her, expressing that as queen of heaven, she had the power to break the bonds of fate. Even some Jewish writings from the Roman period display a concern about fate and the spirits associated with the sun, moon, planets, and stars. So when the, Ephesian, when the original Ephesian listeners would have been listening to this, they would have been contrasting this cult of Artemis, Diana, who had these horoscopes and they thought that the sun, moon, and stars, and location of different things, that affected their lives. It was actually part of their fate. You know, how, where the sun and the moon and stars were, that affected their actual reality. And so the implication here is, is that for the Christian community in Ephesus, they're not under the whims of Artemis and the sun, moon, and stars location of all this stuff anymore. They're not under those uh, powers anymore, but rather they're under the power and the blessing and the protection, the provision of the living God, Yahweh, the God who created everything. So... They're not identified. They're not in Artemis anymore. They're not identified with Artemis anymore. Who are they associated with and identified with now? The king. They're identified with King Jesus. And so the picture that we get just in verse 3 is Christ has been blessed. He's been raised. He's at the right hand of God the Father. He's exalted. We're going to see later in Ephesians 1. He's been set above all these powers. He will live forever. His body's been changed. And if we are in Christ, if we are identified with Christ, then we have been blessed like he's been blessed. We can say that we're with him. We're with Jesus. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about a, an analogy. What does it mean to be identified with someone or to be associated with someone or uh, something like that? And I thought of a silly example. But imagine I get on a plane later this week uh, to L.A., 
and I, and I go out Friday night to the nicest bar in Hollywood, right? And I show up probably wearing something like this, if I'm honest. You know, I look like a dad. Uh, I don't look like a person who normally frequents uh, a bar in, in L.A. Well, I'm going to get in line, okay? And even if by some miracle I make it to the front of the line, is the bouncer going to let me in to that kind of a bar? No, I'm not going to get in. I don't have a Lamborghini. No one knows who I am. I don't have a model girlfriend or anything like that. I'm a nobody, and they're not going to let me into this bar with all the A-list celebrities and stuff like that, right? So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be left outside. I'm not going to have any of the blessings of being in that bar, whatever they may be. <laughs> now, imagine, though, that an A-list celebrity like Ryan Reynolds. Let's say Ryan Reynolds is walking by. He sees me. He takes pity on me. He's like, here, come on. Come on. Come with me. We get to the bouncer, and the bouncer doesn't want to let me in. But what does Ryan Reynolds have to say? He's with me. And all of a sudden, what's the bouncer going to do? He's going to let me in. And the rest of the night, as I'm hanging out with Ryan Reynolds, people are going to be looking over at us and being like, who is that guy? And they're going to be whispering, I don't know, but he's with Ryan. He's with Ryan, right? It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what my past is. It doesn't matter what I've done in my life. But in that moment, because I'm with Ryan, I'm okay. I'm good. I've got all these blessings. I've got all these privileges, right? Similar situation happened this weekend, actually, because... Uh, the young people that are here from Arkansas uh, all stayed at Zach and Amanda Dunn's place last night. And so when we were trying to figure all this out, uh, uh, eventually Zach and Amanda uh, volunteered for this. And I vouched for Dan and uh, said, you know, I don't know anything about the young people, but I do vouch for Dan. I think Dan's very responsible. I said, look, Dan is with me. You know, Dan is with me. I vouch for Dan. And I said, but you know what? I can't promise anything about Shelby. Um, <laughs> she is a wild card. I just don't, I don't know what she's going to do. But it might be a risk worth taking. And so Amanda took the risk, and here we are this morning. So praise God. Shelby cooperated. So we do this all the time. We associate ourselves with people. We vouch for people. We say, hey, this person's with me. We introduce people to other people, that sort of thing. And so what we're going to see here in this passage is we want to live our lives in such a way where people say, you know, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know who this guy is, but it looks like he's with Jesus. It looks like he's with Jesus. Let's keep reading. We're going to read verses 4 through 6 because there are a lot of similar concepts in here. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And I have to limit myself. There's so much we could talk about here in, in 3 through 6, uh, but I'm just going to make a couple of notes, and then we're going to talk about the main, I think, the main thought or main idea of the passage. Uh, the foundation of the world here is generally thought of as the creation in Genesis 1. But I want to point out that there are other views of this, and it all centers on your view of Genesis 1, how you read Genesis 1, uh, the exact etymology of the word foundation that's translated here. Um, but regardless of where we place this event, uh, basically this phrase means that God intended to redeem his creation from a very long time ago. We don't you know, we don't need to quibble about exactly when it was. Now, if you do want to quibble about exactly when it was, then I recommend uh, you talk to our brother Dave, <laughs> who's, I think, written a book on this subject. So uh, anyway, uh, if you want to know more about Katabale Cosmos and the foundation of the world here, he's your guy. 
the word holy is another interesting word. We saw uh, to the saints, which are in Ephesus, that's verse 1, the holy ones. And then here it says that the purpose of being chosen is to be holy and without blame or holy and blameless. And it reminded me, we don't have to turn there, but it reminded me of 1 Peter 2.9, partially because this was our family camp theme from a couple weeks ago at Living Hope Camp. Uh, but it says in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the idea of being holy is being set apart. It's about being different, but it's not being different just to be weird. Like we talked about, we're not just reading Ephesians in a strange way just to be strange. We're doing it for a reason. We're doing it to try to get in the mindset of the ancient Ephesians. Uh, but here to be holy is to be set apart for a reason. It's to, be, uh, li- to live differently for a reason. And that reason is to call people to God, to be an example. We are different for the purposes of showing the way to God by imitating our Lord Jesus. And blameless means free from blame or spotless. And those of you who have had that term hyperlinked in your brain biblically, you'll remember that Jesus was the lamb without blemish and without spot. He was blameless. And so in being blameless, in presenting ourselves to the world as someone without spot, without blemish, it's not so that we can look perfect and cool and all that stuff, so that we can be a perfect sacrifice for the people around us. We can follow Christ's example. The word adoption here is an interesting one. People have wrestled with it through the ages. I've got a quote here from uh, our friend Clinton Arnold again from ZIBBC uh, Ephesians. The adoption of a child was a practice that everyone in the Greco-Roman world would have been familiar with. Under Roman law, an adopted child acquired all the legal rights of a natural-born child and lost all rights held in his former family. The child also received the adopting parent's family name and shared in the status of the new family. The most decisive influence on Paul's thought, however, is in the promise of adoption God made to David by Nathan the prophet, I will be his father and he will be my son, 2 Samuel 7.14. Jesus himself has fulfilled this promise as the descendant of David who sits on the throne. By virtue of union with Jesus, believers share in this adoption and truly become children of God. So the idea is is that when you're adopted, everything changes. Your name changes, your legal status changes, uh, you renounce all your old inheritance, you're only hoping for this new inheritance. What kind of mind picture is that for for us as followers of Jesus? That we've renounced the world. We've renounced everything that the devil can offer us. We've renounced everything that the world can offer us. And now we want God's inheritance, the inheritance that he's going to share with us partially in this book of Ephesians. So now, the final note I want to make before we get into chosen is this idea of the beloved. And thankfully, in the ESV and many modern translations, they, they capitalize that noun beloved. It is a singular now, and it's meant to be a, uh, essentially a, a stand-in for the name of Jesus, another way of describing who Jesus is. So except he has blessed us in Jesus, in him. This is just another way of saying in him. He said it like 14 times in these uh, 11 verses, and here he's just saying it in a unique way by calling Jesus the beloved one. And of course, uh, in the Gospels, when, when Jesus was baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? That's what the voice from heaven said. And now we become sons and daughters of God through that union with him, with the beloved one. All right, let's read these four verses again. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, 
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So the main idea represented in this passage, actually the main idea of this whole section, there's only one verb that can stand alone and is not subject to like different uh, clauses and different things, and that's the verb for chosen. The word for chosen is supposed to stand out in the middle of this passage. And then we see the word predestined in verse uh, 5, and then we see it later too uh, in verse 11 having been predestined, the verb form. And so we have this idea of being chosen and being predestinated. And what does all that mean? What, is, what does that all mean? And here in Louisville, uh, we're in a, a section of the world where the Calvinist uh, view, the Reformed theology is very strong around here. And so I'm going to gently push back against their view of this, very humbly and gently push back against their view of this. And it was similar to what I used to read this. I, and I've taught this section. Uh, in, a, in a past life in a small group in Texarkana, Arkansas. I can remember specifically one time about 15 years ago. And um, I said that we were chosen individually. And that is the way that I think many of us may have read this, that he chose me, he chose Megan, he chose Jerry, he chose Dave. Uh, and that is not what this is saying here. And we're going to talk about why that's not true. So the Calvinist view on this is that God picks who's chosen, and then he by default doesn't pick other people, and then they're not chosen. Um, and so we're going to, like I said, Tim Mackey in the Bible Project also pushes back gently about this. So like I said earlier, Ephesians is a gospel presentation. We saw already that there's a we and a you distinction, a y'all distinction. The we is Israel, the y'all is the Gentiles. So there's a story that he has in mind, and it turns out that he also has used this language elsewhere. Let's turn to Romans chapter 9. We'll be back to Ephesians shortly. But in Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul uses some of this language. And then what does he say immediately after using some of that chosen language? He gets into this discourse about Israel. Chapter 9 of Romans verse 1, it says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Then he spells it out for us in verse 4. They are Israelites. <laughs> they are Israelites. And to them belong what? The adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ. Uh, and then in here in the ESV, it's sort of mistranslated, but it should be, you know, even God overall, blessed be forever. Amen. That's actually the King James is better on that verse. Let's turn back to Ephesians chapter one. So in this whole context, and we didn't we didn't read it, but in, in verse eleven in the same part of Romans, uh, Paul uses the same noun that corresponds to our verb in Ephesians one four. He has this whole idea in his mind about what elected means and what uh, receiving the covenants means and what all this stuff means. And so um, Tim Mackey in his Bible class on this uh, talks about how the choosing that God did was multifaceted over time. And so we've got a slide up here that talks a little bit about what God did to choose throughout time. And we're going to see, if you, if you trace through it, if you listen to Tim Mackey, he goes through like blessing, he goes through choosing, he goes through like all these different layers tracing the same story 
that's hyper, sort of like hyperlinked throughout the Bible. But the first thing is God begins his relationship with humanity by doing what? Blessing them. He gives them dominion. That's in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Uh, so he chooses Adam and Eve, right? He chooses Adam and Eve. He blesses them. He gives them uh, this responsibility. How does that work out for God? It doesn't work out great, right? So then we go a couple chapters later in Genesis, in Genesis 11 and 12. God calls another man. He calls Abraham now, right? He blesses him. He makes a covenant with him. What happens with Abraham? Ups and downs, right? Ups and downs. Um, and what's interesting about all this is like through this, he also, you know, he chooses Noah too to save humanity. And what Tim Mackey says about this is, you know, God is constantly trying to bless and help humanity live to the fullest of what he wants for them. And what does humanity keep doing? They keep doing the wrong things, right? So what does humanity end up doing? They make themselves the enemies of God. So when God comes back and blesses them through Abraham, what is he doing? He's blessing his enemies. He's doing the same thing that Jesus taught us to do. He blesses his enemies. And he does that by choosing a man and his family. And Tim Mackey says, quote, God chose one out of the many so that through the one he can restore his blessing back to the many, end quote. So that's, that's Abraham. So out of Abraham then comes the nation of Israel. How does that go for God? <laughs> Ups and downs, right? Ups and downs. Eventually, Israel has a line of kid, kings through David. And David is promised a son that will sit on the throne forever and a son that will be blessed. And that is in 2 Samuel 7. So then the kings, <laughs> what happens with the kings? Up and down, and eventually goes all the way down. So then the, finally, the story climaxes with the coming of the king, who's the perfect son of Abraham. He's the perfect son of David, Jesus. And that's how God chooses one person to restore the blessing back to the many. And so when we read this language of choosing, even as he chose us, it doesn't just say even as he chose us, period. It says even as he chose us in him, in Jesus. So God didn't choose me individually. He didn't choose you individually. Uh, he chose Adam and Eve and the humanity collectively. Then that didn't work out. Then he chose one guy to build a boat. Then he chose another guy to start a family. Then he started, you know, He's been choosing one person to bless the multitude from after Adam and Eve screwed up. And the latest example, the latest iteration of it, the only iteration that worked, like version like 7.0, was Jesus. That version worked. And now through him, God is able to finally do what he wanted to do from the beginning, which is bless all the nations, bless all of us through him. God, in other words, God chose Jesus and if we can say, yeah, I'm with him, or if Jesus can say to us, yeah, he's with me, yeah, she's with me, that's how we get this, is by being with him. So the good news today is that we can identify with Jesus. We can identify with our Lord and King. We can say, I'm with him. And that shows us how the gospel message is not about us. It's about him. So reading this again, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So what does this mean for our lives? Uh, last week I piloted this idea of uh, the four layers of interpretation. Uh, the first layer being what did it mean to them? How would they have applied it? Those are the first two layers. And then the next two layers are what does it mean to us and then how can we apply it? So we've already looked at what the text meant to them. Uh, how would they have applied it? Well, we talked about this briefly in verse 3. In the context of uh, the original Ephesian listeners, it would have meant uh, practically for them that they were no longer under the influences of the cult of Artemis and the sun, moon, and stars and the pagan worship that a lot of them had come out of. They weren't at the whims of the false gods and demons anymore. So that meant that they were not to partake in different festivals and ceremonies and different special feasts and holidays, holy days. Um, they were no longer outside the people of God. They were now identified with Christ, and they were in the people of God. So that's what it meant for them. What does it mean for us? Well, this morning, we too can be amazed to find that God blesses us in Christ, that this whole story that we read about in the Bible, about how God worked with humanity from from such high high with Adam and Eve before the fall, through all the things that happened throughout all of history, this, this uh, tapestry that he's woven of how he's tried to intervene and love uh, humanity throughout time, that finally that culminates with Jesus, and that through and in Jesus, we can actually insert ourselves into the blessing, into the story, into the narrative. We can be a part of this now too. We can now be identified and united with the gospel story of Jesus and how he fulfills the story of Israel in a way that allows us to now be holy and blameless in our context, just like they were 2,000 years ago in the city of Ephesus. Now, we don't face the same exact issues that they face. We don't, I don't think many of us worry about worshiping Artemis uh, or uh, even the sun, moon, and stars anymore. Uh, we don't face the same exact uh, practical obstacles, but you know, we do face our own uh, things. We face apathy. We face distraction. We face unbelief. We face impatience. And then there are so many things that are vying for our time, for our attention, for our allegiance. And so what I want to say about this this morning is that we have to be intentional in breaking through the obstacles that we face, just like they had to be intentional about breaking through the obstacles that they faced to do what it says that we are to do here, because it says he chose us in him purpose that we should be holy and blameless before him. That's our task this morning, is to be holy and blameless. And so whatever we need to do to be intentional about being holy, being set apart for a purpose, for being blameless, that's what we got to do. And I think in my mind, what that revolves around is we want to be different from the world in, the, in a way that brings people to a point of a decision where they have to decide, do they want to continue in their life as it is or do they want the blessings that we have in Christ? You know, we want to live in such a way. When we, uh, I think about uh, another silly example here, using the bouncer analogy from before, you know, you've probably heard the pearly gates and all the stuff, right? St. Peter's at the pearly gates, right? If Peter bulks up and gains a bunch of, you know, good weight, you know, he's bulking up. He's the bouncer. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He, he becomes the bouncer in the kingdom of God. When we show up, are we going to be able to say, hey, you see Jesus? Yeah, I'm with him. Is Peter, you know, we're going to be able to say that, right? We're going to be able to say that. 
So now, how do we live in our lives in such a way where people can say that about us now? That, hey, he's with Jesus. She's with Jesus. So the question that I have for us this morning is, do people look at our life and say, he's with Jesus? Do they look at your life and say, she's with Jesus? That's what it means to be holy and blameless. That's what it means to fulfill this whole gospel story of being chosen in him. We were chosen for a purpose. We actually heard that in manifestations this morning, that God has laid before us a path that he wants us to follow and that he will, he will continue to do that for us. And so that's my encouragement this morning is, is that uh, there are people in our lives that need this message. They need this hope. They need this good news about Jesus and about how he's transformed the world. And if we're living just like they're living, they're not going to see it in our lives. And so we have to be able to say with our whole lives, I'm with Jesus. I don't care what you got out there. I'm with Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this message of deliverance that you have for us in the pages of the Word, the Bible. We're especially thankful for your son, Jesus, this morning, the one who paved the way, the one who fulfilled all these promises, all the covenants, um, all the things that you desired for humanity through the ages that uh, we just kept screwing up over and over, God, that he finally came and that he was able to fulfill all that for us. And that this morning we can see that it's not about us, it's about him, it's about your eternal purposes, about how you've always wanted to bless us, you've always wanted to love us, you've always wanted to take care of us, uh, to guide us. And Father, through him, in him, because of him, we can be a part of that now. We can be part of your gospel mission to the world today. And so this morning we answer this question affirmatively, we are with him, God. We are with your son, Jesus, and we will live in a way, we promise you, that will show people that. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information on how we are striving to follow Jesus together here in Louisville, Kentucky, check out our website, compasslu.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and view additional resources.